This is the Six Figure Creative Podcast, episode 155. Welcome to the Six Figure Creative Podcast, where our mission is to help you turn your creative passions into a stable, reliable income. If you're in audio, video, design, photography, or really any other creative field, and you just want to learn from other successful creatives, you're in the right place. Welcome to the Six Figure Creative Podcast. I am your host, Brian Hood, and I'm here with my big, bald, beautiful, mustached co-host, Christopher J. Graham. Chris, how are you doing today, buddy? I'm fantastic, man. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty excellent just because we've done so many podcasts this week and, and we're finally getting Six Figure Creative out and launched to the world after such a long time off for various reasons. And so, yeah, my, my spirits are up, my dude. How, you know, what about you? You got, you got anything uh, particularly exciting? I'm great. I've been working out every day lately in the gym and that's been as, as you so promised. I'm going to have to change the intro. So like if anyone's listened for a while, you know, I always say big, bald, beautiful. I just added the mustache thing because you have a mustache now, which took me off guard. And I tried not to laugh at you the first time I saw it, but you know, whatever, but that's part of the intro now. But if you stop being big, I've got to take that out as well. So keep working out okay. and we'll replace big with something else, maybe broad shoulder. I don't know. It's always fun when we have guests on the podcast. Now that we're doing more and more interviews, I felt more and more awkward doing any sort of long-term banter, which is great for our audience because that means we actually get into the episode faster than normal. So we're going to do that today because we have an awesome guest on the show today. Known as, and I don't know if you go by this officially, Alex, known as the freelance Fiverr millionaire, Alex Vasulo. She's on the podcast with us today, and she's what I would consider an expert on all things Fiverr. She has made, uh, and these are public numbers, so I'm not being like Snoopy. These are out there. I, you know, if, if you want me to cut these out, I can cut these out, Alex. She's made 2017, starting out in uh, offering freelance copywriting, made $63,000 the first year. Second year, 2018, $273,000. My God, what a jump. Third year, 2019, $350,000. And then 2020 last year, the year that the world kind of fell apart, still made $378,000. She's been featured on Fiverr's blog. Of course, why wouldn't they? I'm surprised she's not the spokesperson of Fiverr. She's <laughs> been featured on CNBC, Forbes, Business Insider, Yahoo. Now I feel completely inadequate and inequipped to, to, to interview someone who's been featured in all these areas. But this is Alex Fasulo. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Thank you, Brian. That was uh, a lovely introduction. <laughs> you don't have to cut those numbers. My freaking like health insurance is public, so <laughs> <laughs> yeah, three hundred like seventy eight bucks a month or something like that. Exactly. Yep. Yep. I did my <laughs> research. So, Alex, there's like there's so much I want to discuss with you on this episode, and we have you know so little time in the grand scheme of life, and in how many years we have ahead of us in our lives. So, in this interview, I would like to cover a few things, but first, I want to talk about something that I want you to change my mind on, and that is something that I've publicly been I've always been against Fiverr, as an Enneagram Eight. If you know anything about Enneagram, Enneagram Eights they crave control over their th the things in their life, and Fiverr takes that control away from me. And I've always been scared to put my business on another platform, whether I'm dependent on that. So we don't have to dispel that myth or that, that argument right now. I'm hoping you change my mind through this because the numbers don't lie. You, you, you don't get to almost 400K a year on a platform and say it sucks. Like, obviously it is working for you. So I'm, I just want to set the stage for our listeners right now, especially for those who are like, Fiverr sucks. I'd never use Fiverr. Well, I mean, Alex has got the proof here. So let's, let's dive into this. I want to talk about with you a question before I'd even get to the beginnings of Fiverr and how you make a career in Fiverr and the stuff you've talked about a million times forever. I want to ask you, if you were starting over today as a freelance writer, would you start on Fiverr again? Yes, I would, because I still think it's the best place for beginners. I don't necessarily advocate it being a place where you should have your business five, six, seven years into the game. I think you should ultimately try to get off of it. But I still think it's the best place to kind of dive in headfirst and get used to different things like customer service, sales, pricing, 
working with clients, you know, all of those things that you're going to have to learn no matter how you do it. I think Fiverr is still the best way to get that experience quickly. And that's everyone who messages me. It's all about how fast can I make, you know, X amount of dollars. So I would still advocate that it be a place that you jump on in the beginning, but I wouldn't advocate staying with it as long as I have, because you hit a point where it's not worth the 20% that they take. But, you know, it took me four or five years to hit that point. So... Yeah, I, I completely understand that because I you have to pay income tax too. And it's already a, a hard enough pill to swallow paying income tax every year when you have to pay basically two income taxes, one to Fiverr, one of the US government. That gets really hard really fast and really old really fast. Well, you said something really cool in one of the videos I watched about you, Alex, where you talked about you know how miserable that you were at your job in New York and that when you first started doing, I think it was PR releases for $15 a pop on Fiverr. And that you talked about, what it was like to suddenly have you know, strangers sending you money and this idea that, oh my gosh, there's probably more of them out there. Could I charge them more? And that really spoke to me because that was my experience with my business. The first time a stranger sent me money, it was this like, whoa, what world am I living in? This is crazy. Is, is that what you're talking about? Why, why you think Fiverr is so good for people to start with? It gets them that sort of initial hit? I think it's more so that Fiverr steps in as your marketing department because so many people I know who jump in don't know the first thing about marketing themselves or their services. They have no social media presence. They have no website. They have nothing. And with Fiverr, you set up your profile and it essentially throws you into its marketplace. So you don't have to worry about the marketing element. You, you do in the sense that the branding of your profile needs to be good. And that's actually the biggest thing that takes people down is not understanding branding and marketing, but Fiverr kind of cuts out needing to have a website, you know, know how to post on Instagram about your services or LinkedIn. It kind of removes all of that because I think it can be very overwhelming at first to know everything you need to know. So for me, when I first started doing it, I wasn't posting, you know, people get confused because they see my social media now, obviously it's blown up because I post a lot about it, but I didn't for the first three or four years, you know, I was making six figures on there with no personal website, no Instagram presence, nothing. And I think that's why I recommend that people get on there because Mm. the marketing chat is a whole different game, you know, that most of these people do not even understand when they're starting out. That's the great point. That's the strength that I see uh, on platforms like Fiverr. And that's the appeal that has for, I think, anyone who's interested in that. We had one in our own audio industry called SoundBetter. And there's a couple other ones, AirGigs and a few others in the audio specific world. And then there are niche ones for other kind of fields like design. There's ones for uh, videography. And Fiverr's kind of the catch-all for pretty much all freelancers. And there's a few others out there, but we're not going to get into those. That's not the the discussion today. So I I would like to kind of start at the beginning. So you made $63,000 your first year. Is that the was 2017 the first year you got on there as a freelancer or no? No, I actually got on there in 2015 and I probably made like a thousand bucks that year because I didn't do it seriously. And then 2016 was the year I really dove in. And I think I made exactly what I would have made at the job had I stayed, which was like 36K. And then 2017, it was 63, 68, whatever it is. And uh, yeah, then it just kind of rocketed from there. So you mentioned how important it is to set up your profile as you're getting started on Fiverr. And I think that's one of your one of your unfair advantages as a as a writer is it's all copywriting. You have to write like a great profile. Is there anything that you can share with people if they're trying to start on Fiverr and they want that initial traction and they don't want to have to wait three years to crack sixty k on Fiverr? Which which by the way that may be how long it takes and there's no way around that. But I'm just I'd love to know some some general things that you see people get wrong when when setting up their profile that turns people off. 
Yeah, I think actually the biggest thing is the imagery that people really just don't understand. Like you need to have crisp, clear images of your face, smiling, eye contact. It needs to be professionally shot. It can't be a selfie on your phone. That mixed, yeah, with the writing on the profile can do you in. But I mean, if you want, I get people all the time. You can message a Fiverr writer and have them write it for you if you want to pay for it. You can write them, edit it. I mean, it's there's no rules with any of this stuff. So I always say if people really want to make it work, I think they can figure out how to make it work, even if they're not the most excellent writer. And for me, when I set up my profile, I looked up three to five other people who were already established in copywriting when I joined. And I studied exactly how they worded what they worded. I did my homework. You know, that's all it is. And if you're willing to make this work, there's already everything you need is on there for you to go research. It's just... Are you at that point yet where you're dying to make it work? Yeah. So this is something called modeling. We see this in a lot of other industries where you look to someone who's successful and you look to them for what is working instead of trying to invent it from scratch and figure out like through trial and error and hellfire and brimstone, like figuring out what the hell is going to actually work in my business and utterly fail trying. You can just look to someone who's successful and say, this is what they're doing. I will start there. And then I'll figure it out what works and what doesn't work. And you have much better chance of success. And that's pretty much any industry. Now that obviously don't just steal the copy off somebody's website, but use it as inspiration to know what sort of style, what sort of things you're writing about, what sort of structure they're using on that. So it took you a few years to get traction on Fiverr. And it seems like between 2017 and 2018, things just popped. 63K to 273K in one year. What did you do? What What, what the hell? What the hell, Alex? Yeah, it was Fiverr Pro, which is many people who follow me. I've gone over that with them where basically Fiverr launched this new program, which is the top 1% of the platform, you know, handpicked talent, all an effort for them to rebrand as a more quality, you know, marketplace than it was previously regarded as. So by joining Fiverr Pro, they want you to charge a lot more for your services, you know, the pricing psychology there. So yeah, I went from charging like $20, $25 to $100 for the same service that I was offering just a month prior. And it actually launched in 2017, but it didn't really, they didn't really, you know, launch it fully until January, 2018, which then explains, yeah, the huge jump in income. And a lot of people who follow me, they're like, oh, she's outsourcing it. She has a team now. Yes, I do have a team now, but I will say 2018, that was all me. So for everyone who's like, oh, it's impossible to make that alone. No, no, it is not. <laughs> not on Fiverr. Yes. I think one important thing there is just being on the premium side of pricing, how much that can affect your income. People struggle so much to raise their, their rates amongst every creative field. We as creatives are so hesitant to raise our, our pricing. And it's because we just, I'm not going to speak for everyone here, but I know, I know the people that I talk to and see and, and honestly myself earlier in my career, it was a self-worth issue. It was like, I don't feel like I'm worth mm. what I'm charging already. Why would I raise my rates? And so, you know, it, if you would not have raised your rates, that income would have not been anywhere close to that. And you would have worked just as much. So let's, let's, let's tackle some things here that you brought up that I want to talk about. You talked about the team and we'll get there for sure. I, I think having a team, I think everyone should have a team or at least some people they're outsourcing work to at any level, because it takes so much of the tedious crap away that you shouldn't be doing as a creative anyways. But we'll, we're going to table this, just that part of the discussion for a second. Let's talk about how things likely, and I'm, not, I'm just speculating here, likely started to fall apart in 2018, making 273K, getting as many projects as you did. Were things slipping through the cracks? Like what, what sort of operational challenges 
were brought with that sort of jump in income, if anything. And I'm, not, I'm just, again, I don't want to project here, but usually I would not see an income jump like that without somebody having some struggles with systems or structure or communication. Yeah. It was honestly just the same amount of work that I had been doing the year before. It just happened to be for $100 instead of 25 So was I working 10, 12-hour days? For sure. But I think the biggest struggles of all actually came in 2018 when CNBC covered it for the first time. And more so like the social repercussions and the hate and everything that started for me. That was the first time that I had experienced it. And I kind of look back on that being almost regretting in a way that I had let CNBC cover the story because I it was hard. The reception from so many people in my life that are no longer in my life because they didn't like that article very much. And, you know, 25 year old me didn't understand how these adults, you know, why I thought they'd be excited for me or whatever. And that's when I got a crash course, I think, into uh, humans and human nature. And mm. just because you're 40 or 50 doesn't mean you're any more grown up than a 25 year old. And that was the hardest part of it. The backlash and it, it was it felt very lonely for the first time where I was like, what? What's the matter with what I'm doing? Why? Why are you upset by that? I didn't get it. You know, Well, I've got a question on that. Why do you think they were upset about it? I mean, the first article CNBC, it said how this 25 year old made 150K in six months. So I learned that money upsets people because I don't care about it, which people would say like, oh, she cares so much about it. No. I could care less about it. I'm like, whatever. I hand out my money all the time. I, who cares? And I realized that other people care tremendously about mm. money. Treme- it's like their religion. And I think the shocking nature of that title, people didn't like that. Maybe they felt you know, inadequate that I'm making more money than they are. I don't know what. I mean, I see all the time people make more money than me. I think it's great. I don't know why people care about it, but they, they do. <laughs> I, I learned that you know, the hard way, so... They say haters are going to hate, and I've never seen that did not be true. <laughs> so yeah. haters are going to always be there. And, and so I've seen someone have some high level of success that they're public about. There are haters attached to it, no matter what. Skeptics, yeah. haters, people who are calling you a complete scam artist, people who are calling you a fraud, people who are calling you money hungry or whatever. Like I've, I've gotten all these things myself to the yeah. point where like, especially, oh my God, if you ever run Facebook ads, don't ever look at the comments ever, 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 Alex, yeah, like I'm telling yeah. you right now. I know you're getting into like the, the education world. If you run Facebook ads, hire an assistant to go through all the comments for you and manage them because that'll suck your soul away real quick. So I'm just letting you know, like it's always out there. It's never going to go away. And that's just the way humans are. And it sucks. We talked about this on, a, on another episode where like the crab in a bucket thing. It's the first time I ever heard this. So it's just like, I guess if you put a bunch of crabs in a bucket and one tries to climb out, the other crabs will literally pull it back in. They're like, you're not going to get out of this thing. So I, I love that analogy. And it's, it's, probably similar to what you experienced. I call it in my background, the Alabama mindset. And yes, I'm casting shade on my home state where it's just like, I don't want anything more. I'm happy with what I have and I don't need to, to change or grow or adapt. And if you're trying to do anything interesting or special, no, stop yeah. it. <laughs> I got a lot of that from my hometown as well. A lot of actually the worst hate online is started by people from my high school who feed the other, the masses. Oh, that's awful. Yeah, some of the worst stuff that happens is fed by about eight boys from my graduating high school class. Yeah. I'm so sorry, Alex. That is yeah. the worst thing I've ever heard. I don't want to speculate, but I would guess that they're not doing anything interesting with their lives. But you know what? I don't want to. You know, I don't think they're that busy. They're not that busy. That's a good political yeah. way of saying it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'll leave it at that. But and that's one of the reasons I moved. You know, I actually didn't feel safe in my hometown anymore. Yeah. 
you know, I, I hate to talk about this stuff because it's like, it's, it's not a fun thing to talk about, but it is important it's for people to understand if yeah. you're trying to, if you're trying to do something different, you're trying to take a, an alternative career path. You're not going the traditional socially accepted route to quote unquote success or stability. Really the stability is a big thing that people go after more than anything, which is the wrong business if you want stability or certainty. I'd say stability can be achieved. Certainty is absolutely not guaranteed, but if you're going off the path, that's where people are going to try to pull mm. you back or call you stupid or call you names or be jealous. Like that's really the thing there. And, and so, you know, I just, I hate, I hate to see it, but it, it is what it is. So all, all we can do is put our, put our heads down, keep moving forward, doing what we're doing and ignore the haters. That's all I've ever done. And it, doesn't make it any easier to accept, but let's shift gears a little bit here and talk about some of these later years. You, you started to build a team out, which I think is one of the best things we can do. I mean, especially once you hit the six figure mark and, and before it, if you can to start taking some of these things off your plate. So what was, what was like the first person you got on your team to take stuff off your plate? I never name any of them, you know, cause they, they didn't sign up to be named, but one guy I've been writing with since 2019 uh, was the first person that I brought in um, because I did all of 2018 alone. And I was like, this is amazing. This money is insane, uh, but this is not sustainable working 12 hours a day, writing every day. I'm going to have some problems from this. So uh, naturally, why shouldn't I expand You know, a business like any other person, any other man would in this case? And um, in 2019, I, I brought him on. It was just me and him till 2020 even. I've been slow with all of this. And then, you know, 2020 is when my brand started to take off. So until 2020, nobody really followed me on social media. I I was still, you know, flying under the radar with it. I had some haters online. I was, you know, low profile. And then 2020 was when I started posting about what I do on TikTok, uh, not knowing it would blow up, of course, but it did. And so kind of the start of my media influencer brand started last year, which is then when I brought on um, like a video editor, you know, a podcast guy now edits my podcast for me. And then I started to build out from really just last year. So it's still fairly new for me. Yeah. So the first thing you did, you just hired somebody to take off some of the, the work off your plate. And that, that starts to venture into what I'd call like the agency business model territory, yeah. where you're, you're the business owner and you're hiring your team to actually fulfill the work for you, which is the way to do it. That's the only way to scale as a freelancer. If we're trying to build businesses that are going beyond a hundred thousand, a couple hundred thousand, a few hundred thousand dollars, you have two models. One is you're going to go to the top of the top and charge fifty, hundred thousand dollars per project and be, be solo, be making a lot of money. It's fine, but it's really hard to get there alone. Or you go the other side where you're charging industry standard rates for things and you're building a team to fulfill that work for you and you're profiting off of that team. That's the agency model. So it seems like you've kind of ventured to that route, but you also had this other opportunity kind of pop up along the way with all of this business publicity, which by the way, do you have a publicist or do you just do this on your own? I do not have a publicist, but I definitely need one because I'm just being massacred online right now. And I'm sure you guys have Googled me. My Google reputation is just trashed so bad. Um, from some Reddit threads and stuff. So I think I, I, I read all of them. I read every single one of them and I couldn't find a single, like every single one of them. I'm just like, oh my God, are you serious? It's, it's, it's like, yeah. to me, it's always, it's the bitter neck beard, like sitting in a basement, sweating, <laughs> writing this article about like these things that just yeah. don't, they don't add up the tinfoil hat. Like, yeah, I, I get those. And I, and I've seen those my, for my own stuff. Thankfully, none of those really rank anywhere for me, but sucks to have like some of those rank where they are, but yeah. And you know, I'm, I'm not a PR specialist, but I know a fair amount of it and SEO and everything. And you know, the, the one article that's out there ranks higher than my CNBC thing, which went viral on Apple news. 
And I've had some people look into some um, black market marketing that's put, been put behind that article. So someone with a lot of money has it out for me and they boosted that article. I'm trying to figure out who it was because um, I can't just, you know, I it's part of my nature because I want to know who put money behind that. But the, the twist is it's somebody you went to high school with and they just, you like, yeah, you, you look at them wrong in high school and they just can't give it up. And so they're putting money. Well, the thing is they don't have any money to put behind and our, so somebody, somebody somewhere higher up is, I don't know what's going on to be continued. Hopefully I'll figure it out, but. Let me hop in there. Cause that's an interesting conversation to me. As we're talking, Alex, I, I'm, I'm astounded at what a badass you are. You, <laughs> you are killing it. And I, I think I, I want to live in a world where young women are taking these old, stupid white guys to school. That's <laughs> great. But it also makes me wonder, what is this path that you're on? And this is a question I ask to, to everybody that I'm coaching. What does it look like three years from now if all your dreams come true? You know, when people ask me that, I can't really answer it because I'm not somebody, I just kind of embrace the opportunities as they come. So mm. I have no idea what will come my way three years from now, but I embrace all of it. I'm getting close right now to potentially writing a book or having a book deal of some kind. So that's on my, that's my next big thing that Very has cool. come my way. I didn't even, you know, it kind of came to me. It's kind of whatever comes my way. I just embrace it. And I love doing new things. I love being out of my comfort zone. It's fun. It's weird. You know, I'm weird. So if somebody came forward and, uh, you know, had me do something totally different from what I'm doing now, I'd probably say yes. Uh, I get bored with stuff easy, you know, I mean, classic entrepreneur. I like to do a bunch Same. of things. So I cannot really say my dreams, I guess I, I would love to do 20 different things in my life. That's my dream is to constantly mm. be doing new things. I'm the same way. And, and, I, and I know we'll talk about this more and more on the Six Figure Creative Podcast on branching out to other areas, diversifying your income, being a serial entrepreneur like myself. Like it, it, you just, I, I couldn't tell you three years ago that I'd be doing what I'm doing today. I can't tell you what I'm going to do three years from now, but I know that I can spot opportunities yeah. when they come and I'm going to take those opportunities and I'm going to run with them as far as I can run with them, at least until I get bored or... or outsource it to somebody else to take on and, and run for me. But I, I want to talk about now a little bit, kind of back to the freelancing discussion here, because that's the majority of our listeners are freelancers. Do you have any sort of structure or time management stuff that you do to manage everything that you have going on? Because that's one area that I think I struggle with. A lot of people struggle with is actually putting it all in there without dropping the ball. Yeah. I mean, I follow kind of the same structure schedule every day. I've always been one of those weird people though, where I've never had even a calendar. I just like remember it in my head. I know that's not an Weirdo. answer, um, <laughs> but I, yeah, I mean, I follow the same structure kind of every day. I get up early and I immediately check my emails to make sure if there's any, you know, problem, like I'm addressing it very early in the morning and I'm not, you know, Oh, I'm surprised by this at 3 PM. Uh, so yeah, wake up early, do that. Generally, you know, I work out for a little, go for a walk. And then by eight, you know, I check my fiber messages, make sure everyone's okay on there. No one's flipping out. And then I, it's just kind of that similar structure every day, no matter if I'm traveling or what. I get my writing done in the morning. So like after this, I'll probably go back to getting all of my like outstanding writing done for the day. And then by the afternoon, I kind of will segue into more um, like creative TikTok realm things. I don't know if that answers the question. <laughs> no, we talk about, we talk about a lot on this podcast, habits and routines. And that's, it's a similar way that I run my businesses is I always have to structure things in chunks like that, where I have a routine where I'm doing a similar type of thing or the right type of thing at the right time. I know that my brain works on creative tasks better in the morning. And in the afternoon, I do more administrative, more, I was at left brained, less creative, more like linear type tasks in the afternoon, generally 
unless I'm, you know, unless I'm stretched thin in some way, shape or form, and I just have to perform, like we do podcasts in the afternoon all the time. And I'd consider that mm-hmm. kind of a creative task. The reason I'm asked though, is because you, you just don't get to the income level that you have at the rates that you're charging, which are relatively low in the grand scheme of copywriting. I think, at least I don't know where your rates are right this second. I didn't, I should have checked, but I didn't. But without having, you know, some good structure and systems in place. And I know you have a bit of a team now. I'm sure they're handling like messages and stuff for you because on Fiverr, one of the biggest things that I've noticed is quick reply times because any site like that, the site wants you to get back as fast as possible. And honestly, the people expect almost an instant reply when they send a message out. But yeah, is there anything like that we're missing out as far as like your your secret sauce for running a successful Fiverr account other than like fast replies, doing great work, like anything else? I, I don't even respond that quickly on there anymore because I'm doing so many other things and I'm not as enamored with it as I used to be because I get bored. I mean, I feel like on Fiverr, my reputation precedes me, right? So people will just end up booking me because they know me at this point. So mm. I'm almost in a like place where I don't even have to technically message people back right away. But mo- you know, a lot of people aren't where I am on there, of course. I mean, the come up on Fiverr, yeah, it's all about being attentive, responding right away, you know, if a client's flipping out, holding their hand, it's all about like making the client feel like they're your only client of the day. Mm. Uh, That's the psychology behind it. Even though you might have 10, you want to make them feel like I'm working on this today. You know, I'll let you know if I have any questions or if you give them the order, let me know if you need any revisions. I want you to be, you know, totally in love with this. It's like, it's all that a little bit of that corporate chat has to come out into it. And, um, making people feel like they're the most important part of your day. So let's shift gears here a little bit now and talk about your podcast. You have a podcast called Freelance Fairy Tales, and it sounds like something that's exactly in line with what our audience is. They're freelancers. They want that fairy tale lifestyle, right? Is that what is, you know, I don't know. It's, it's a cool <laughs> name. I like the name. I love alliterism, alliteration, alliterism, alliteration, whatever, man. I like making up words on this podcast. So talk about your podcast and, and what you talk about on there. Yeah. So for right now, it's only in season one and it's just me rambling 19 different times, but I go over basically everything a person would need to know to get started freelancing, to know more about how to do it responsibly, how to make it a full-time gig, how to travel while you do it, how to overcome the imposter syndrome, you know, all the mindset things that come along with it. It's a gold mine of free information. I always tell people when they ask me questions, I'm like, you got to go listen to my podcast. They're only 19 minute episodes and it has everything you could ever need next this fall. I would like to do now a season two where I start to have guests on, but I'm just basically like getting it all out there. So people have it forever in the event. I go ahead and do some other things besides freelance writing soon. Yeah. So that, that's not just for freelance writers though. That's for pretty much any kind of freelancer. Yeah. yeah, It's for pretty much, I think there's one episode that's like specifically for writers, but like the other 19 is for everyone. I think you were smart. You did what? How many? It was 19, 20 something episodes as a solo, oh, like just, yeah. And then, so we did 150 with just Chris and I, and then we oh, just wow. now started branching out to, <laughs> to other guests. So I, I'm enjoying the guest train so far because like, it's, it's so fun talking to different people. And if you talk about getting bored easily, getting guests on is great. Cause you have no idea sometimes so what you're going to get. Yeah. So any other resources? Like, I, I feel like we've, we've discussed a lot of great, great stuff here. Any resources you want to send people to, or, or have them go sign up somewhere? Like, What's your call to action for our audience? Yeah, I I have so many resources. It's kind of hard for me to even think of the best ones. My free Facebook group is like a family of its own. Everyone in there posts their services. They ask for feedback, critiques. I've seen that Facebook group like make people. Um, So I highly recommend if you're freelancing to join that. 
freelancing mentorship with Alexandra Fasulo. I obviously this is a theme of my life. I opened it never thinking it would be a huge thing, so it has a really long, annoying title. But I post about it every day on my Instagram as well. If you forget that, so basically just follow me on Instagram and TikTok and YouTube and everywhere. That's where it all is. That's where it all goes down. Uh, if you just look up Alexandra Fasulo, I come up. The good news is all of these links will be on our show notes page at sixfigurecreative.com slash whatever episode number this is. I'll have to go cut that back in uh, and, and put that in there. But yeah, we'll have all the links to this. You know, Alex, it's, it's funny. I think you're in a similar position to Brian and I in that we built successful businesses and then accidentally became influencers. And we're wrestling with this is a really different thing yeah. than running up than running a business and the, the yeah. emotional baggage that comes with that. You know, it's funny, like you go back and forth between imposter syndrome and egotism. At least I do where you're like, I don't know. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not good enough. Oh my gosh. I'm so good enough. I'm amazing. And yeah. trying to <laughs> land at a healthy in between there is really challenging. Yeah. I, I feel like, that's where I see for women. I feel like women struggle more with the imposter syndrome than they do with the egotism side of it, just biologically. So I see women get more caught up in their self-doubt. And then I'll come across a lot of men who are caught up in their ego and both are detrimental to success in business. But it's funny because I can see that's where women and men are very different in business mm. from the people I've worked with, how women will just automatically doubt themselves right out of the gates. Well, which isn't surprising in the society that we're in, they've been taught to doubt themselves. Right. And exactly, you know, and it's, it's funny because I never used to think that sexism existed. <laughs> I was like, I wake up, I do my thing, whatever, who cares? And, um, I just get absolutely dragged through the mud on social media for being a woman doing what I'm doing. So I've become more passionate about it now. You know, like the comments that I get are just, I just look at that and I'm like, we're the same, we belong in caves. Honestly, as a society, everyone yeah. just go back to their cave. If this is how you're going to behave, like we might have nice planes and cars, but everyone's still just a primitive animal. I totally agree. I I'm fond of <laughs> saying that our planet is a hillbilly paradise speckled with modern societies. It's like 99.9%. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It it's just like I read these comments and I'm like, okay, wow. I actually thought more highly of humans than I do now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it depends on what cesspool you're in. YouTube comments and Facebook ad comments are probably the two blackest holes of, of cess in the world. But I want to I ask you a question, Alex. As far as women, you say they, they struggle with self-doubt, imposter syndrome. How have you personally dealt with that and, and gotten past that as an entrepreneur? I struggled with it too. You know, I, when I was first starting out, I had constantly in the back of my head like, oh, you're scamming people because you're not really a professional. You're brand new. You're brand new, whatever. But I think the two things that I did to overcome that is I charge really cheap rates. So at the end of the day, I charge $15. Like, obviously, I'm not an expert if I'm charging $15. So I didn't feel like I was scamming people by charging such cheap rates. And then the other way to overcome anything is to just do it. Because then when you're when you survive on the other side, you you get more confidence. So I would just keep going, you know, and and each day when I'd wake up and still be alive and a client would still leave a five star review, I was like, Okay. You know, it was just time. It's just time and experience. I don't think you can like snap the imposter syndrome out of your head today. I think you just have to do it. You have to fail. You have to succeed. You have to just keep going. That's all well, that it is. Well, you said something earlier in this interview that I want to kind of bring back. And that was, you were talking about social media and you were saying, people look at what I'm doing now 
and they see all the stuff that I'm doing and they just feel like they can't keep up with it. And, and then you said, but I was making six figures with no social media presence and whatever. The, the reason I bring this back up is because so often we as entrepreneurs or not even entrepreneurs, just living humans, we compare someone's level 60 to our level one. We look at somebody who is so like way further in their career than us and see all the things that they're doing, the systems they put in place, the team they have in place, the income they're making, then they compare that to where we are as absolute beginners instead of comparing Alex Fasulo, the beginner making like 30 grand on Fiverr the first year of where she was then with no social media, with no this, no that. And I, I feel like if we're trying to get those baby steps, those baby wins to build the self-confidence, to get past our own imposter syndrome, we can't look at someone who's that far into their career making $378,000 a year on Fiverr and branching out in these other entrepreneurial endeavors and say, this is what I have to be. No, you just think, what's the next step that I have to take today to get past that right. fear? And as long as I take that next step, I'm pushing forward to be like Alex eventually, way down the road, once you know, oh. I've gained traction on Fiverr and, and made millions of dollars. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's all that it is. And people, I think, will get really caught up in very impatient with things. And they want to have everything that I have tomorrow. And I'm like, this is almost seven year journey now where you guys are catching me. But it's tough because they're so new to my social media. They think, oh, this just happened this year, which is why I frequently post like I'm in my seventh year right now, everyone, you know, this, this did not happen by accident or by luck. This was working really hard for six or seven years. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it took me six years before I had my first six figure year. That's like, that's how many years I put in before I broke six figures. And that's, but that's why we would do what we do. That's why you have your, your uh, podcast. Now you have a course now, I believe. And that's why we have our podcast and coach. That's why we do all we do is to help people speed that process up. And, exactly. and, and one of your biggest hit pieces is by somebody who's salty about you selling courses. Now it's like, she's, I'm like, okay, guys, I, I understand the argument there. I understand the, the hatred for that because there's so many people on the internet riding Lamborghinis and like slinging their income around and holding up cash. And they put a really bad taste in the mouth of people who are trying to educate on business, but we're trying to do things differently. We're trying to be a little more approachable, a little more relatable, a little more realistic in what we're doing and give people a realistic picture of what it is to be a freelancer. And we're trying to help speed up the process. We're not trying to scam you so we can buy a damn Lamborghini. So that's kind of my little soapbox there on the subject. And uh, I don't know why I brought it up, but I was just, it's, I'm just, it's there. It's in, my, it's in my head, my heart, and I want to talk about it. Well, and, and let me hop in there. I think that Brian, what you've experienced and, and Alex, what you've experienced, and I think me to a considerably lesser degree for some reason, but I think when, when somebody expands what other people see as possible, that they're going to get pushback. When you start to say, look, your future could look like this, worst case scenario or best case scenario, it's 10 times better than you hope it could be. That's scary for a lot of people because it changes. Mm -hmm. it's, it's a bracketing issue. And when you expand the bracket that much, it's terrifying. It's terrifying yeah. to, to suddenly be like, oh, wait, I thought I was getting a B. Turns out like I'm actually a pretty small fish. The pond is a lot bigger than I thought it was. So I think particularly as a woman, that what you're doing freaks the hell out of a lot of men that it's like, oh, this 25 year old girl is so much more of a badass than I am. Now I don't feel like a man. So I will alleviate that by commenting. Yeah. And that's, do you find that most of your haters are men or is it women or, or balanced? 
Oh, I'd say it's 98% men. It's um, some psych studies, honestly, could be done in my comment sections. I think there's something that could be deduced from it. I don't know, you know, what it is, but it is all men. Our audience is like 97% men. So I'm putting you <laughs> listeners on notice. If I see a single damn comment Seriously. from my people, you're banned from our podcast. We will unsubscribe you somehow. We will design yeah. a technology that will prevent yeah. you from listening. Yeah, yeah I'm Alex, on yeah. behalf of men, I am so sorry. It's We're <laughs> awful. Ugh. I just like, I don't know what has happened, you know, with guys our age or whatever. Like, I don't know what what is so wrong, but they're so... These guys are so insecure. It's such an insecure generation of men that I'm just like, why are you even worried about what I'm doing over here? Like, shouldn't you be doing your thing and I'm doing my thing? Like, why yeah. do you? Wouldn't you make more money by working instead of trolling? Exactly. And it's like, I don't get on there and post like I am a feminist or anything. I don't do it. I'm, none of my stuff is like gendered at all. I just get on there and I'm like, hey, everyone. You can make money online. Have a good day. And, I, and then I get off. And it just, my most recent viral video is like the most innocent educational video. I'm just like, hi guys, I'm Alex and I'm a ghostwriter. And here's what I do for a living. And it's the most, you know, not intense video ever. And it's actually the most hate I've ever gotten on a video. It's unbelievable. And I'm like, there should be some study done on, there's something about me that is so triggering and I don't know what it is because I'm just me. If you guys met me in person, I'm like small too. I'm like five foot three. <laughs> I have like red hair. I wear weird earrings. Like, I don't know. I can't speak for those people, but I, I can just say that I'm in the similar boat. 99% of my haters are men. So I know how you feel out. I'm just joking. I have no <laughs> idea how you feel, but, but I, I have the similar thing. And all I can say is I just try to stay as far away from those humans as possible. Because generally when I find a hater, it's somebody who is unhappy with their own circumstance, hurt people. Oh, yeah hurt people. That's what the saying is. If someone's hurt, they're going to go hurt other people. That's the same with bullies. That's the same with online bullies, offline bullies, whatever you want to call it. So I, I don't know if we're going to change humanity, but I definitely don't want our listeners to fall into that trap because the second you start worrying about anyone else than your own race, like staying in your own lane and, and doing your own thing and stop looking left and looking right, even though I looked right when I said left, but no one's watching the video. So this is okay. I can do that and not be made fun of. When you start, when you start looking to these other people, you're going to have a much easier time not having uh, comparison syndrome, but also not judging other people while you're on this race. Like Alex took time out of her day or morning to come to this podcast and share with us some of her journey. And she's been vulnerable with us. Some people, if this had millions of views or downloads, which it won't most likely, I, I don't, you know, our podcast, I know kind of our numbers right now, unless this somehow goes viral, you know, one hour podcast, which rarely happens, but I'm just saying if it happens, people will find something to hate about this. And that's the sad thing. I don't fully understand it, but I just want people to know that you should not be part of this sort of. Well, and that brings up a story from, from high school for me. So I was obsessed with track and field and cross country in high school. It was my favorite thing. And I probably wouldn't have graduated without it. My coaches, well, some of my coaches were great. One of them turned out to be, uh, he's in federal prison Moving now. On. That's another oh, story. Boy. But one of the things that I had this one particular coach, Coach Foley, that was awesome. And, you know, as a freshman or sophomore, you know, I ran the 800. It's two laps. And, you know, you're basically trying to break two minutes. That's like the big benchmark. And what you see freshmen and sophomores do is when they're running, they keep looking behind them. If there's anyone behind them, especially on the last, you know, 150 meters of the race, they keep looking behind them to see if anyone's going to catch them because it would embarrass them. And I'll never forget, Coach Foley sat me down and he saw me doing this as like a freshman. He's like, when you turn your head, it slows you down. 
It messes with your biomechanics and your time in that race will now be worse because you looked backwards. And what was great about that? I never looked backwards ever again. And it was so nice to just keep my head moving forward. And Alex, my hope and my wish for you is like you are on a rocket ship right now. You're kicking so much ass. And (laughs) your mission is just to stay healthy. If you just do that, if you just keep yourself in a sustainable way where you don't let people get in your head, where you don't look backwards and you just look forwards, you're going to be just fine. I like that. Yeah, I I really think this is true. I think that if you get consumed with what haters are saying, that it's going to slow you down. So let's let's wrap things up here, Alex, because it's top of hour. I want to respect your time and I want to make sure like, yeah, you can go fulfill the work that you got to do that you get paid tons of money to do and, and, and go across the world and continue that rocket ship. So I just want to say as we're wrapping things up here, first of all, thank you for coming on the podcast. Thank you for sharing with us and make sure if you're listening to this podcast, you go listen to the freelance fairy tales podcast as well. Thanks guys. Yeah, no, definitely go listen. And Chris, thank you for that. Those warm words. You're welcome. <laughs> So that is it for our interview with Alex Vasulo. Chris, how do you feel about the interview? Do you think it went well? Do you think she I love uh, her stuff? That. Oh my gosh, she was so ridiculously cool and so put together. And I kept thinking of this phrase that like grown-ups would use when I was a kid. Man, her head is just screwed on tight. <laughs> like she <laughs> I love when she, you try to do the southern accent because as someone who grew up in Alabama with truly <laughs> southern family, you do you do not get it right. <laughs> it's a caricature. Yeah, it's a caricature. Yeah. It's it's a skill I'm working on. Yeah, she was amazing. And to me, like as we were talking, I was like, this woman is going to crush over the course of the next 10 years. I don't, I think her current success won't even register compared to what she's going to do in the future. Like she's yeah. she is rare. There are not yeah. many people like her. So, so people that didn't hear this, but we talked a lot about TikTok after the interview was over. And uh, that seems to be one of her big areas of... Um, of dominance on the internet as far as social media. So I'd like to get her back on just to talk about that stuff because that's an yeah. area that we need to explore as a six figure creative because it's just such a, I've seen my wife on there. She, she made a TikTok. Her first two videos had like 20,000 views, which is like nothing on TikTok, but like in the grand scheme of things, I mean, but for a person who's never put a video out on TikTok and to get that kind of traction and thousands of followers within two videos, like that's crazy to me to see that kind of traction with, with, with that world. But back to, to what we talked about in the podcast, because that's the stuff that matters for our listeners. I don't know if I'm quite convinced that Fiverr is off my list as far as like the place for creatives to go. Like, I don't feel like I'm fully convinced there. She makes one good argument that is creatives when they're first starting out, they don't know marketing. If you need to get that first win and just get the the feeling that you can be paid by a stranger, like Chris Graham, I think your first payment was via a check because you're that old. Yep. Yep. Your first internet. Well, the client was that old. Yeah, that's true. There's a little bit of both because it was a long time ago. You got your first payment from a stranger. Yeah, this is like 07. Yeah, but okay. But but going back to this, like if you need that, like that that first, you need that validation that you can do this and people will pay you for it and they will like it. Like Fiverr could be maybe a good place to start, but I just, man, I just can't say I would want to build my career on that. Let me hop in here because I, I think an interesting point comes up. As we did her interview, I'm beginning to to grasp a little bit more more thoroughly that I think the most important moment in an entrepreneur's life is when a complete stranger hires them. I think it's when that happens that there's the potential for you to understand that the market is so much bigger 
than you could ever possibly imagine. That is true. Because like so many freelancers and creatives start out by friends or family hiring Just them. friends and family. That's not entrepreneurship. Nope. Selling to your friends and family is not entrepreneurship. It's practice for entrepreneurship. It's a scrimmage. You are, you are not actually doing the real thing. And once you go out and get those first couple people that hire you that are complete strangers, that's where the self-confidence starts to happen. And what Alex talked about, about how she did all these small projects and got five-star reviews for them, that that killed her imposter syndrome. It, I didn't, you know, didn't pipe up and say this, but that reminded me of my story. When I, I didn't have a ton of imposter syndrome because I'm, uh, <laughs> I'm a weirdo. Um, there's, you know, neurological issues there for sure. But once you collect a bunch of reviews from a bunch of small projects and you have something to point to and you can say, hey, look, well, I've got 55-star reviews on Google or Yelp or whatever it happens to be, that's a game changer. And I think that for a lot of people, not for everybody, but I think for a lot of people, that's a great first step. What is the easiest, shortest path to you working with strangers and beginning to collect reviews? Yeah. It's just another element of social proof. So yep. when we talk about social proof, again, I'm, I'm not going to go into the to details about what that is, but it's essentially when you see a long line at a restaurant versus a restaurant with no one in it, you're going to go to the, all things being equal, you're going to go to the restaurant with the long line because you say, if it's good enough for those people, it's good enough for me. The reviews are a way of saying that. It's a way of like building that trust yeah. in, that, in that stuff. And I, and I can tell you right now, Alex is likely going to have more credibility in her writing business just because she's been featured on Forbes, on Business Insider, oh, on NBC. And I, I would, I, we didn't get into this. I, I wish I would have actually talked about this. I would imagine she's getting clients off of Fiverr now in, a, in a, probably a pretty high amount of those it, off of Fiverr because she has her own personal brand. She has her own website for her stuff and she's able to get leads and customers off of Fiverr. And that's kind of the, the evolution that I would want to say for anyone who's looking to get started on Fiverr or who anyone who's what I consider stuck on Fiverr is maybe start looking for how can we start marketing our business on our own because we can't keep paying out 20% of our business to Fiverr for the rest of our lives. Mm. Like that's, that to me is too big of a hit to take for the benefit of Fiverr sending you clients because if, as long as you're on their platform, you have to bend to their rules. You have to give in to, if you are no longer favored in the algorithm, your income could drop overnight. Well, and I totally agreed. I think having one place where you're getting all your customers, that's scary, but it's scary not because of the, the current reality. It's scary because somebody else could change the rules. And it's not just this, it's, it's not just Fiverr, by the way. It could be if all your leads and customers are off of one social media platform or yeah. one advertising. Could be if your entire business is on eBay. Yeah. That's a yeah, problem. That's true. Or if, if you get all your clients from TikTok or you get all your clients from Facebook ads or, you know, if, insert one thing, just it's called a single point of failure. <laughs> if you have all your clients from Fiverr, that's the single point of failure. If Fiverr bans your account because you try to pull a client off of its platform and that's against the terms of service, you're out now. You don't have any clients now because you had that single point of failure, which failed. And so that's the whole point. It's like, I don't have, you know, there's other issues with Fiverr. It's literally got cheap in its name. It's called Fiverr. It originally started because everything on that website was for five bucks. So even launching Fiverr Pro, I don't know how they're going to get away from the whole cheap feeling because it's in Yeah, the they got a branding name. issue for sure. Yeah, they got a branding issue. But all that being, you know, take, take away the cheap side of things. Like, I just want to say, like, I, I'm not fully convinced, but the, again, the numbers, <laughs> the numbers speak for themselves. Like, yeah, that, that's from an area I can't forever hate because I know you can build a six-figure creative business on it because Alex Sulu did it. Yeah. Well, and I think if I were starting from scratch to, to go back and, you know, pull up your initial question about mm -hmm. if you were going to start 
from scratch, would Alex have still done Fiverr? And she said, yes. As I listened to Alex's story, I think before our interview with Alex, I would have said, no, I wouldn't have started on Fiverr. But now I'm not so sure. That, and her argument was so great about, well, the first time you start to take strangers' money, that creates a unique opportunity and interest. So to go back to my running illustration, I got into track because we would run the mile once a year in gym class. Yep. And it turned out I was pretty good at it. And How I liked fast it. were you doing it back before you actually did track? How fast were you running a mile? Um, in seventh grade, I ran it in 550. Dang, I did 650. Nice. My best in high school was 437. But I only ran the mile a couple of times. I was more of an 800 guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ran a 158.8 was the best I ever did in the, in the 800. And I loved it. But the most fun I had in track, pole vaulting. We've far. talked about this on the podcast. You're the only it's pole insane. vaulter I know. You're also the only um, bee farmer I've ever met. Uh, <laughs> you were the only coffee roaster I met until I started doing it. That's yeah. true. So you're a weirdo. It's fine. It's fine. I'm a strange man. Yeah. So I think this is a good place to... Uh, to end this, or did you have more to that story, Chris? I see you no. twisting your mustache, which means you're thinking. No, it means, it means I, I just like to, to pet my mustache. It's like my pet right now. Okay. Yeah, I'm going to get a cat and a puppy at some point in the very near future. And in the meantime, I just have a mustache. Okay. Well, that's a good way to end this episode. Uh, thanks for listening to this podcast. We have a lot more cool stuff planned for this. So stay tuned for future episodes every Tuesday morning, bright and early at 6 a.m. Thanks for listening. Oh, I don't do the happy hustling anymore. Happy hustling. Happy hustling.